Welcome to the Thoroughly Wrong Project with Lalo and Bob. We appreciate you spending some time with us today. Let's jump right into that weekly dose of things you can disagree with. Take it away, guys. All right. Good morning and welcome to the Thoroughly Wrong Project. This would be the uh, Daylight Savings Time version. This is Robert and my... Nope. This is Bob. There it is. I fucked up already. <laughs> this is Bob and my very late, very groggy partner, Lalo. How you doing this morning, man? Pretty good. Like you said, pretty groggy. <laughs> I think this this time change always messes me up, especially this one, the the spring forward one. Yeah, always always fucks everybody up. I'm already used to it because I I prepared for it by getting up early and going to bed early. So when I woke up, it wasn't that much of a change. I got up and did my exercises and did all the shit that I do at five o'clock in the morning. So I'm already used to it. See, I'm the opposite. I go to bed late and then wake up late. <laughs> you got that. You, you got to burn that extra hour in this, in the fall and, and, and fuck yourself out of it in the, in the spring. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I remember those days. I remember, I remember laying awake in bed at night, you know, thinking, okay, five hours sleep is enough. And then, <laughs> all right, four hours is enough. Oh God, three hours is cool. I can, I can survive on three hours. And then the, the panic, fuck two hours. I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah. I haven't done that in a while, but I remember I, I would go to sleep super late and I'd have to like get up for work at like seven or eight and it'd be like three thirty, and i'm like fuck <laughs> yeah but when you're young you can do that shit <laughs> <laughs> when you're when you're old you, you know that that whole nightlife starting at 10 o'clock just means you're just starting to watch family guy and go to bed <laughs> <laughs> hey man um I did not get a chance to watch Trump ramble on for however long he rambled on at the pack there. But I've been hearing a lot about uh, New York and, you know, like Michael Cohen. Did you see that thing this morning? He's been to the district attorney's office seven times. <laughs> uh, Michael Cohen, I haven't seen anything about him. Yeah, he's been there seven times and he tweeted out yesterday morning. He's like, this does not look good for, for Trump. So he's being called back for an eighth time tomorrow. So whatever is going on is going to be, it, it looks pretty big. I mean, I don't know if Trump's going to jail and I don't know if his supporters will, you know, he, he grabs women by the pussy and, and he gets elected president. So I don't know, you know, hey, he's a tax evader and the people will be like, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, at the, like part of me feels like, Whatever happens to him, he would just get pardoned by by Biden, which kind of pisses me off. But you think Biden will pardon him, really? Yeah, because Biden's very like old school, kind of like Democrat, and not even just Democrat, but like um, just politician in general, where like optics matter and all that stuff, and like the whole thing, like an ex president in jail doesn't like optics wise doesn't doesn't bear well for for america but so would, i feel like 
he would, would the pardon. Part, would the pardon do the um, Democratic Party any good? Is that I mean, or is it just all about Biden? Um, when it comes to that, I feel like they're kind of on the same page. Like if it was the other way around, they would like the the GOP would pardon you know a Democratic ex president or something like that, just because at the end, uh, like at the end of the day, they want to like you know stay in power as politicians, right? So optics is a big, big thing for them. And the Democrats are like super soft. So they'll like <laughs> give in to anything. Oh, That's yeah. what pisses me off, man. Like with the whole like stimulus relief bill, you know, Demo- uh, Republicans were like, uh, like super against like the 15 minimum right. uh, wage, you know, and like a bunch of other things. And then, the Democrats like conceded a few points, you know, like they took out the $15 minimum wage. And then when they voted for it, there was still zero Republican votes. So why the fuck are you going to give away all these things, like concede all these things and then still get no votes from the other side. You could have just left it in there and still passed it with the same amount of votes. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Like to me, they're just, that's what I hate about the Democrats. They're just soft. And they yeah. like give in. Yeah, they should but, be ramming stuff down their throat right now. <laughs> but you just said it's about optics and it's about empathy. <laughs> and so in order, in order to look good, it's like, yeah, we took it out. So we look good. And the, and the Republicans still didn't cooperate with us. So it is about looking good. Hey, we, we did what they said and they still didn't do what we asked. Yeah. And, like they call it like a bipartisan bill. It's like they had zero support from the Republicans. I don't see what's very bipartisan about that. <laughs> well, that's politics, man. It's it's all a fucking circus game. That that we we're we're just we're just moved around like pawns on the board is all we are, and and unimportant at that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But here's the thing. I heard that, you know, and it may, you know, I don't know. It's a conspiracy theory. I don't pay atten- much attention to those. But I did hear that a big reason that they want Cuomo gone is so they can get a, a governor in there who will pardon Trump just in case things go wrong for him. So that would be two people who could pardon Trump at that point if you could get rid of Cuomo and get somebody who was in Trump's corner, which a lot of politicians are now, depending on depending on the person. I don't think Republicans think that far ahead. Um, I think they just want him gone because of like his whole like sexual scandal thing. And there's a, a lot of Democrats that also like want him gone for that. So I can respect that. I mean, that was pretty. Pretty shitty what he did too with the, uh, like senior homes, yeah, and the numbers and all that. So I mean, like I'm not surprised that there's a few like Democrats that are also calling him, <clears throat> calling him for for him to resign, especially yeah. like AOC that's from New York, you know. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it, that remember how I said last time how, uh, you're able to see a lot of criticism uh, about the left from the left. Right. And almost no criticism from the right by the right. I think this is one of those instances where, you know, 
some Democrats, like, regardless of who's doing what, like, if you do a shitty thing, like, they'll call you out, you know? Yeah, of so, course. Uh, yeah, well, so I've I seen can, that for a while. Yeah, so I like that. Like, I mean, I'm not, like, just because they're, they're Democrats, I don't think they, oh, you could, you have to, like, defend them, you know, no matter what they do. <laughs> like, if they fuck up, they fuck up. Like, if they have to resign or if they have to get removed, like, that's on them, regardless of what party they're from. Is that a big difference between the two parties in your eyes? That the Republicans, they band together no matter what? If, if it's a yeah, grab definitely. them by the pussy or, you know, whatever, doesn't matter. It's a Republican. We got to protect him no matter what. Yeah. And I mean, it happens on the left too, but I feel like it's so much worse on the right. Like, um, like even like with Trump, you know, like everybody was shitting on him, you know, before he ran, right? Before he got elected, like all this stuff he said about like Ted Cruz's wife and all these other like Republican candidates, and then like by the end of of his first term, they were you know praising him and like you know advocating for him, trying to get him reelected. Like if someone said that that stuff about your wife, <laughs> and you still support them, like even if it's just you know. For for the job or for optics, like I don't know how you could do that. To me, that's just I don't know. It's very I can cringy. Hear, can you hear those fucking conversations? <laughs> for real, and then you have to like go home to your wife and be like, "Babe, it's it's for work. <laughs> I don't mean it." You know, it's very sad. If you want to keep living in this house and and keep this kind of lifestyle, you'll take it. Okay. <laughs> you want to keep going to Cancun? <laughs> so. That's bizarre, man. It, but at the same time, it's it is what it is. You're absolutely right. It those conversations do include things like you know that this is the part of the job, and if you're going to be married to me then you're going to have to take the abuse. And that that's like, fuck, I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't do it. I couldn't let somebody talk about my children or my wife or, you know, any of that shit and, and not, not, not defend myself to the end, not defend them. Yeah. But then again, I mean, I know Ted Cruz went to Harvard and all, but he's still pretty fucking stupid for someone that went to Harvard. <laughs> so... They must be accepting everybody nowadays. They must be accepting everybody. Well, they are. The Republican Party has changed immensely over my lifetime. We're talking about uh, this Republican Party looks nothing like Reagan's party at all. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, you know, I, it, I'm going to say it's bad because... Even in even in Reagan's time, I goddamn Malalo, I don't know, dude. I don't even know how to approach it because I didn't like them then. Um, I didn't like them in the early, you know. Historically, I wasn't viable in the early seventies. I was only seven, eight years old at the time. But historically, looking at them, I don't like what they were then. I don't like what they were in the eighties. I don't like what they've become now. But the Democrats are also different. It was a, it seemed like to be the politics seemed to be more about the people 50 years ago. And now it's more about power, more about staying in power, more about money and packs and 
you know, big business yeah. supports everything now. So it's not about me at all anymore. I, I think that the Democratic Party was more about my grandfather than it is about me. And I think that's where it started, to be honest. Um, that kind of like shift, shift of the tide was with Reagan um, and like just his whole like uh, vision for the economy and like the future and like his war on drugs and all this shit that he did. Yeah. Um, I think it kind of it set the stage for for the Republican Party to transform into what it is today. Well, where it's like you said, all about the power and you know, suppressing the vote and staying in power and, you know, making all this money. It seems to me like Reagan, we skipped over with um, Carter, okay, from early 70s and then Nixon went out in 72 or 73 and then we had uh, Ford who who did nothing. He was, he played golf and fell down the stairs a lot and then... (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Chevy Chase was awesome in Saturday Night Live doing doing uh, Gerald Ford. But then we skipped over that era a little bit with uh, the empathy of of uh, Carter. But Reagan picked right up where Nixon left off. Nixon accelerated the economy, accelerated um, the the politics of the world. The world that world political construct he got china in the mix he brought that in he started the war on drugs nixon or reagan just perpetuated the war on drugs and accelerated it so i think it started with nixon as as the the party because he was such a fucking narcissist dude (laughs) i feel like you have to be to be president (laughs) some degree at least (laughs) what biden seems like my granddad he doesn't you know, seriously, he doesn't well, I, see. I remember reading that like Biden decided to run after I forgot what he saw. I think it was the the kid in the cages. Yeah, the kids in the cages. Um, he saw like a picture, like an article or something. But I think I remember he he mentioned that after he saw that, that's when he decided to run. So I'm I mean I'm sure there's other reasons and other factors, but do you think those are true? Um, maybe in, in, in part, I mean, it also makes sense that they would say that just for, like I said, optics, because it looks good, like, oh, he's, you know, once he saw this like human, human travesty, he, uh, you know, he decided to like step up to the plate and all that stuff. But really, truly wasn't that travesty, that travesty, I put that in air quotes, started by Obama? Um, by started, do you mean like, because what the main thing that Trump did was the whole like, um, like separation of families. Um, whereas when they were built, their purpose was they were just temporary holding facilities, yeah. you know, quote unquote. <laughs> like Guantanamo uh, Bay. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> that um, temporary holding facility. And I mean, they were built pretty late into into Obama's second term. So, I mean, I've I haven't heard of any like family separation, you know, stories from from his term. They were probably just actually used as you know holding facilities. Um, whereas Trump's the one that started, you know, the separation, which I think is what really hit a nerve with with most people. 
especially seeing like those those videos you know of like the kids like crying and like just all alone by themselves um so i think that that was the main like difference between the two what is the actual separation of the families what's ha- what's happening now is are they getting that taken care of um well what's happening now is uh there's kids that are sent like on their own like alone um to the border so they would obviously be they're already alone you know and they're sent to these facilities for uh to hold either to find their family or find like family here in the states or you know reconnect them with i'm sure the first priority is their family right um and if they can't be found then they probably like go into the the foster care system and then you know go from there um but i think uh like again optics wise since they're using the same facilities that trump used uh you know like the same physical buildings it uh it just looks bad you know and then they ask them about it and they they just say well you know this is holding facilities they're like temporary holding facilities we're not separating any families and all this stuff um so then the Republicans just like eat that up and they're like, oh, see, like, well, Biden's doing the same thing. I mean, it's when it's not really the same thing at all, but um, just the fact that these facilities are still open and in use, even though it's a different use. Um, yeah, it just looks bad. Well, that see, again, that's politics. When the, the first that first uh, stimulus bill went out. It had a bunch of the exact same things in it that were in this stimulus bill, and the Republicans were behind it. And then it comes out again with the same shit in it, and the Republicans are like, no, that can't happen. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's the same thing is happening. Don't, don't, you know, change your mind because it's a different party in power. But what do you think? You know, I gotta, I gotta stop here because. I don't understand because I don't have uh what would you say? I, I don't have a dog in this fight. I I was born here. My entire family was born here. We've been here since actually since 1797. So there's no, nobody emigrating from anywhere around the world. I, I don't, what, what can we do about this dude? There are like 14 million people in this country that they call illegal aliens that I, I don't say that at all. I don't call them illegals. They're just fucking people trying to, trying to make a life. But how do we, you know, how can Biden solve this? Can he just say you're all citizens and sign them in or, or what? And then what after, what happens after that? Okay. So there's been like a few um, like proposals as to how to solve, you know, this, this issue. Um, and there's, it's kind of, there's a few fronts you have to deal with. So you have to deal with, uh, the people that are already here and then the people that want to come here. Right. Um, and the people, and, line, yeah, those people lined up on the border and Jesus God. Right. So, um, what I've always like proposed or talked about is for the people that are already here, um, it would be like what Reagan did, which is one of the very few good things Reagan ever did, um, was his amnesty plan. So for all the people that are already here, um, 
you give them some sort of a pathway to citizenship. Uh, and, you know, there's been a few proposals. There's, I'm, I think there's one on the House floor right now. Uh, but obviously, these people would be vetted, uh, you know, background checks. It's like, I'm sure you know uh, the DACA program, right? No, certainly. You've heard of it? Yeah. So for that, um, like to qualify for that, you have to have, you have to pass a background check. Um, you have to, you know, have intent to go to school or work, either one. So it'll be something similar like that. And I mean, a vast majority of these uh, undocumented people already work uh, and a big chunk of them, you know, even pay taxes. Uh, sure. Just because they don't have social security numbers uh, doesn't mean they can't pay taxes. They can receive what's called an ITIN number, I-T-I-N. Um, and it's basically, a, I think it's individual taxpayer identification number. So the government, you know, when it comes to money, uh, whether you're undocumented or not, they they want their check, you know? <laughs> Certainly. So if you don't have a social security number, they, they came up with this number that they could give you where, you know, it's the IRS, they don't deal with immigration, but they say, you know, well, you know, if you use this when you file your taxes, you're able to, to pay them, you know? And like I said, a lot of people, they come here for, you know, a better life opportunity to work, to, you know, send money back home to support their families. And they want, they want to do, you know, everything, you know, right. They want to look good. So they, they'll use these numbers and pay taxes. So, you know, if at the end of the day, there's ever any sort of legislation passed, um, they have that history, you know, of, of good Samaritans of, you know, they're paying their taxes, they're working, they're not here to, you know, murder and rape and pillage, like, like Donald <laughs> Trump likes to say. Everybody so, that comes across the border is a, is a rapist. <laughs> yeah. So, and I mean, these people contribute billions of dollars to, to our economy, not only, you know, by just living in society, you know, going to restaurants, buying clothes, buying all these things, but also by paying their taxes every year. Um, so some sort of pathway to citizenship for them. Um, you know, they've talked about like giving them residency and then like a three to five year uh, wait period, then be able to apply for citizenship. Um, and I mean, there's a few variations of that, but that's how you solve, you know, that, that side of the issue. And then obviously when you like people outside that hear that, like, oh, they're giving them citizenship or residency. That's kind of like incentivize people to to come over, you know? Yeah. So one of the best ways to... Yeah, because we just had that, that brain drain thing. Everybody was leaving. Everybody... Yeah, we're, we're right. losing a lot of people here because of our policies. Right. So I think one of the ways to help fix that... And I mean, by fix... I don't really mean like make people not want to come because I mean, I don't see anything wrong with, you know, you wanting to emigrate to a country where you feel like you can provide better for your family. Cause that, like I said, at the end of the day, that's what these people want. Right. Uh, that's their main, uh, you know, issue, their main reason. Yeah. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. <laughs> nothing. So, I mean, even Ted Cruz did it, you know, he tried to get his family out of the cold. So he went to another country. <laughs> so, um, the second thing I feel like I would do is uh, streamline the immigration process, um, all the legal pathways. I'll make them a lot more streamlined. 
uh, some of these processes have like year year long waits, if not over ten years, and it's it's pretty hard to wait ten years to come here when you know your life's being threatened by you know the cartel in Mexico or you know something like that when you're starving. Right. Um, it's kind of hard to like you know get in line and wait a few years and you know by the time you get accepted like there's been a bunch of people that they die before their process their application even gets processed so i feel like streamlining that uh our legal immigration pathways would be huge um just for everybody you know well then you could ca- could you not categorize that you know from Certain con- from certain countries, you could be moved ahead of the pack because you're threatened by the cartel or you're. Well, they have that. That's what the um, what is that one called? Uh, it starts with the A. Uh, uh, asylum. That's what asylum is. Um, when there's like they have uh, categorized countries that um, whether there's like a war going on or uh, like you said, like cartel stuff like that. Um, you could get asylum, request asylum, and, uh, you know, kind of get shoved a little bit to the front. But the problem is the asylum process is so slow and so broken. Mm-hmm. The way it's supposed to work, and then this is, like, in the law of the United States, to claim asylum, you have to show up at a border, um, like, checkpoint in the United States. So you have to be in the United States to claim asylum. So, like, all those people that, you know, are, quote-unquote, crossing illegally, they have to do that and then go to, like, a town or a city or, like, a border station in the United States to be able to claim asylum in the first place. So, if you're, like, catching all these people and, like, rounding them up as they're crossing and then you're just sending them straight back, you're not even giving them the chance to claim asylum, which is what the law says they're they're allowed to do. So, you see how that's kind of redundant? Yeah, it's 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 like saying you have you have uh, empathy and then not giving anybody a chance. Right. So because you have to physically, yeah, you have to physically be in the United States to be able to claim asylum. You can't just apply for it, you know, from wherever you are. You have to physically be here. Um, so kind of does it make sense to have to physically be here and then don't let them actually physically come? Um. So I mean, there's asylum. There's uh citizenship through marriage you could get it through uh your employer um but my issue with that is uh a lot of those visas that are given out like for work purposes or like employee uh, purposes um they're usually like because what they what it says in the law is uh people of um i think it's like extraordinary skill or special skill so it's basically like you would think that's like some sort of like super skilled like engineer or like a physicist something like yeah, that. Yeah. But like half of the time, if not more, it's like a model that wants to come over. Someone that's like already rich or like a celebrity that wants to live here. Oh wait, you know, I think I know somebody, um what's her name? Um uh, Melania, is that right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what she got. Um, she had exceptional skill. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, th- that's a few of the of the ways that um, 
you could legally uh, be here. I mean, another one is a uh, chain migration. So like your family, if you already have family here, that's uh, that are citizens, they could uh, petition for you, but they have to be like immediate family. So it has to be like your brother or your sister, or like if you're here and then your kids are over there, uh, you can petition for them. But even that, you know, I mean, even myself, like I have a family that's, you know, had to gone through that. And like I said, it takes years, if not decades, especially after 9-11. Um, that put like a huge, uh, like delay on all those applications just because of like safety concerns and like um, fear, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's something that not many people know about, like for like legal immigration pathways, 9-11 was a huge blow um, for that. And like I said, there, there hasn't been a real like immigration reform program or bill since, uh, since Reagan in the eighties. And I feel like it's, it's, it's time long overdue. It's yeah. time. Yeah. I hear all that because I know Trump erased a lot of, of immigration <laughs> policy. A lot yeah. of it. Um, statistically speaking, Trump cut legal immigration um, by over 50% just by making it um, like getting rid of some of these pathways and like constricting them and limiting them even more than they are now. Uh, it was just like a snail race. Um, yeah, it was pretty pathetic. Well, can, uh, let me back up here. You, you were talking about, and thank you for enlightening me on all this. And I, I probably could have done it myself, but like I said, I don't have a dog in this fight. So there's really no reason for me to look it up. Uh, and now that I'm interested in it, I'm, I'm only like 40 years behind. So whatever, I'll catch up. You said that there are countries on the list that, okay, this is happening. We'll say Ethiopia where there's a famine and things like that. What about the countries where the policies of 9-11 conflict with the policies of immigration. And I'll give you a good one, Syria. There's a civil war in Syria right now over religion, more or less. Yeah. But it's it's based, it has this Muslim base and has the Russians involved and, and all this shit is happening in Syria. What about a country like that? Can you get asylum from Syria or do they say... No, because of the 9-11 policies, we can't let you in. No, yeah, you definitely can't. Um, they have a, what they do is, like I said, they look at these countries that are being, uh, you know, that are dealing with either like some sort of civil war or, um, like you said, famine, something that's causing like great distress in the country, you know, and they allocate a certain amount of, uh, pretty much a certain amount of visas per that, like, per country uh, and not every country is on there. there. There's some countries that are pretty shitty that don't have, and not shitty as in like, it's a shitty country, but shitty as in like there's shitty stuff going on in the country. You know, I was going to say, are you calling some countries <laughs> shitholes there, Trump? Is that what this is? <laughs> no, I mean like, you know, there's some shitty stuff going on in these countries for, for the people that live there. And um, you know, there it's not on, it's on, not, it's not on the list for the United States. Um, so, I mean, there's people that come over, you know, every year from, you know, a place like Syria, Yemen, um, like Venezuela, places that, you know, are dealing with these things. Um, 
it's just like a small percentage. So it'll be like, well, we're getting 10,000 in total every year. We have to allocate those 10,000 to every, every country in the world that's, you know, dealing with all this. So you'll get like 50 Syrian refugees a year. Okay. And that's what I mean by like, it's so slow. Uh, and it takes years because I'm pretty sure there's more than 50 people in Syria that are trying to leave, you know. Well, the um, war in, in Syria has already killed 250,000 people, dude. Exactly. Yeah. So and, how um, many how many people are being affected right now? And we'll, we'll take 50. We got 50 yeah. of you. I do, know, I, mean, I do know someone from Yemen who lives right here in my apartment complex. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's possible. Um, it's just very difficult. Uh, and I mean, it's not like we're the only country that's accepting like refugees. Like there's, you know, Mexico uh, accepts asylum refugees. Uh, European countries do the same. I remember a few years ago, they had that whole like uh, Syrian refugee, like mass migration. Oh my God. Wasn't that horrible? Them. So, um, all uh, those people walking <clears throat> out. Yeah. So it's, um, I mean, it's not like, oh, we have to bear all the, the, like the burden of uh, uh, processing all these applications, you know, like taking everybody in, like, that's not an issue. Like there's other countries that people want to go to, you know, but Americans don't think about that, Lalo. <laughs> they don't think about that. They only think about what the United States is doing. That's it. We don't think outside this, outside our borders at all. So it, it's so fucking sad the, what we are. But let me say in defense, I think probably if you go to France or Belgium or anywhere in the world, most of the people within those countries only think about what's going on in their country. Uh, for most countries, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I mean, there's a few countries that they're very like um, accepting and kind of like, you know, yeah, we'll take your, we'll take your sick and we'll take your poor. Yeah, um, but do they have a big but, statue? <laughs> <laughs> That's the difference. We have a big statue, and Ellis Island, which is a tourist attraction. Now we don't we don't run people through that anymore. That's too easy. Yeah, I remember its original purpose was to welcome immigrants to the United States. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And Lady <laughs> Liberty was a gift from France because of of our generosity to the world. How how the times have changed a little bit, a little bit. Do you know? Um, I was I was reading uh, talking about Syria. Reminded me, I was reading that you know that's two hundred fifty thousand people that were killed there. Do you know why they were killed? <laughs> and I'm well, not allowed there because they're arguing over which sky fairy is right. I mean, basically, that's it. It's about religion. That's like ninety percent of wars. It's, it's not higher. It's fucking crazy. And you, 90, 95% of wars are religion. The other five are like oil and resources. That's it. Yeah. It, well, you got to say it's a mixture of because it can be about religion and land and it can be about religion and oil, but it's always got this, this element of theology in it ideology about our our like i said our scare our our sky fairy is correct and yours is incorrect or doesn't exist so we have to squelch your ideas 
because they're dangerous to my ideas. And, you know, I don't know. I, I got this thing. I used to be, I used to be religious. I, and I, and I mean, there's a difference between being religious and being spiritual and no, I'm not a 14 year old girl. Okay. I get, (laughs) I, I, I get it now that I'm older there's there's a difference between being religious which is like you attack people and you put them down for their beliefs that that's a religious element of it like let's say you're you're Israel and they rocket Israel for their beliefs in God and that's wrong and I got to say I don't agree with all is Israeli policies at all about seizing the land from the Palestinians. But that whole fucking fight is a 2000 year old fight over God. Yeah. Um, I kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say I grew up religious um, because I don't think like deep down, I don't think I ever was like truly invested in it, but I was definitely raised um, religious. I was raised uh, Catholic. Right. And I kind of, I grew out of it pretty early on um, just because I found it super like, I mean, as a kid, I just found it super boring, like having to sit in church and like Catholic churches are like the most boring thing in the world, man. I don't know if you've ever been to one, but it's like super echoey and like if you sit in the back, you can't even hear what they're saying. And it's just, I mean, as a kid, I don't see how any kid would enjoy that. Well, up until a couple hundred years ago, all Catholic religious ceremonies were in Latin anyway. You didn't know what the fuck they were saying to begin with. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm kind of like in that same boat as you. Um, that's why I'm a big – one of my favorite things about the, the Constitution is it clearly states that there should be a separation of church and state, you know? And I think it was really good uh, foresight by, um, you know, the forefathers and like – all these people that wrote up the constitution about how religion has caused so much damage. In my opinion, it's caused a lot more damage than good. Um, So they wanted a government and a country that was able to run without, um, without religion. And I mean, I feel like the United States, if there was no religion, the United States would work uh, very similar to what it does today. I don't know, man. I, I don't see the big separation. I well, ideally, there should be a separation. Well, yeah, I, I mean, but I don't see it. When you when you go, there's the Lord's Prayer in, there's, you know, all kind of, in God we trust is on the money. It's like, and we fight wars over religion. There seems, the separation seems to be, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it, it's just, it's not there. It's not there. Because yeah. we, we are, we say we're a Christian nation. We wrap up every government organization with a thank you, Jesus. We open everyone with a prayer. There's, you know, it, like it's, God bless. God yeah. bless you all, and God bless the United States. And don't forget the troops, because God is with our <laughs> troops too. And and I used to be one of those blessed I'm troops. Sure, I'm sure, feel... 
if God was with the troops, I don't think there'd be much need for troops. In the first place. <laughs> well, you know, the history in our history, we we've always been religious, always, even since we we worded it out. But we're still doing it. We're still doing yeah. it. We, we still I think do. we we were like the the United States was created on the basic. Um, I don't know, maybe like morals or the basis of like, you know, Christ, uh, Christianity. Yeah. Um, lip service. Think, That's the word I was looking for. Lip service. We pay separation of church and state lip service, but it's not real. It's not real at all. Yeah. Um, I think it's a lot more real uh, than like, I think it's a very slow, very slow process. Um, and I think a big deal of that has to do with the fact that the vast majority of this country is Christian. So the vast majority of the people running have to pander to those, to those people. Cause like you said, faith is, is very strong for people. It's a very big deal for them. Um, yeah. So, you know, if you get a candidate that's like agnostic or atheist or, you know, even a different religion than, than most of the country um, and they go up there and they say, you know, I'm not religious, but you know, I'll respect your religion and, uh, all this, I don't think they're going to take it pretty well. They'd rather have someone that's up there like, yes, like I grew up with Christian values and all this bullshit. Um, and they just, it's pandering, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what's slowing down this whole separation in, in total. Uh, do you think, well, I have to know, but most people think that Christianity and religion has always been a problem. But that's not true because the first, the, like for the first 300 years after Jesus, up even up to the 11th century, the, the church taught pacifism. They taught they taught pacifism, and then when the Crusades happened, that's when the tide turned. They got attacked, yeah. and so they began to form armies to defend the faith. And defending the faith became more than defending the faith; it became you're going to believe like us or else. Yeah. And I mean, I'm bringing, I'm being pretty like easy on religion, but I mean, to be honest, like I, I feel like hate is a very strong word when it comes to religion uh, or to anything, but I like, I've gone to, I've, or I've come to like strongly dislike religion. Strongly um, dislike. And not just because of my like personal experience with it, which I mean wasn't that bad. Uh, like I said, it, I was just boring to me as a kid. Right. And I, you know, I've given it a few other shots since then. Um, a few years ago, I went to like a Christian church here in town, and uh, it was in one of those like weird culty churches, like like our friend Robert went to. Right. This one was actually pretty pretty sane and normal, at least from what I saw. And I went like a few. I went for a good while. Um, uh, so. It's not like I just went for one Sunday, you know, and then went back to like quitting. Um, but like in general, I just, like I said uh, earlier, to me, it's just caused so much more damage and harm. Uh, not just like in throughout history, but like for our country too. And it's just this like driving force of uh, divisiveness to me. Um, like you said, like if you're not with us, you're against us. Yeah. And for me over... False dichotomy. Like, yeah. Like saying that over some fucking book written like by who knows who, like 
how many who knows how many years ago to me just it makes zero sense um like logically speaking um why you would be so like i mean i know that i get like the basic the basis of religion like why people like believe or want to believe um and i mean it in part if you think about it, it's like part of me like also wants to believe like oh that there's there's something after this life you know uh, i think that's a lot, what helps a lot of people uh get by and you know live their life to this you know preset set of morals um but i just think like an overall religion super like contradictory and super divisive and just super just bad it's it's pretty annoying to me well especially when people try to shove it down your throat um i grew up in a house go ahead and then hate you for not accepting or viewing the world as they view it like you said there's thousands of of sky fairies throughout (laughs) history you tell me you picked the right one nah i don't i doubt it man i I grew up in a non i'm gonna say a non-religious house and the uh, I'm sure that you've known people who have been guilted by religion and they're in and out of the religion. They they go and they do bad things and then they feel bad and then they have one of those moments where they cry and they get right with God and then they go back to the church and then they wander out of the church. And that's the house I grew up in. My, my stepdad was, he was a violent man sometimes and he would watch Jimmy Swaggart. I don't know if you know who Jimmy Swaggart is. No, I haven't heard of him. Yeah, well, Jimmy Swaggart was a, a, an evangel- a televangelist, one of the first televangelists. He was huge. He was all over the world. He was in 40 countries and blah, 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 and he got caught with a prostitute in the end. But anyway. <laughs> That's usually how it happens. Yeah, he went on TV and cried, and everybody was like, oh, okay, Jimmy Swaggart, you're cool. That's all right. And then he got caught with another prostitute, and that was kind of the end of Jimmy Swaggart. But anyway, my father, my stepdad, was in and out of this Jimmy Swaggart Pentecostal religion, and that's where I grew up in that. And then after I I separated from my family, and I was married, and I just got out of the service, and I was in this weird place, and I got proselytized. And got pulled into the church. And um, like you, I, I I questioned it. And you don't, that's the one thing you don't do in religion. That is the one thing that is anathema. You do not question a religion. Because if you question it, then you question God. And questioning God sends you right to hell. And <laughs> so I spent really, Lalo, seriously, sadly, about eight to 10 years of my life feeling like I was going to go to hell after I left the church. And I couldn't, I couldn't logically say it wasn't true. And even to this day, after spending all that time as a Sunday school teacher, as a person who read the Bible all the time, I wasn't one of those people that went to church and the the pastor says, this is what the Bible says. I read it myself and that's what drove me out. But I spent eight to 10 years of my life in this guilt cycle of fear that I was going to burn in hell until I realized after, um, after Jacob got killed, I, after that happened, I went on this, uh, I guess, 
binge of looking at all the world's religions to try to figure out why you would take one of my kids. Yeah. Because I wasn't a bad person and, and bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. And then you read about karma and you start looking at Buddhism and Taoism and Eastern religions and Westernized religions, African religions, ancient religions, modern religions. They all have this single thread of something that all religious people don't pay attention to. And that's the golden rule. All of them have it. Treat others like you want to be treated. And nobody fucking does it. No one does it. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we we <clears throat> torture each other, religious violence and murder and death and violence against religious institutions, violence against religious people. We the what's this fucking Taliban bombed those hundred and seventy five foot Buddha statues in Afghanistan because it, Buddhism didn't agree with their religion. So there's all this blowing up of religious events and killing of religious people. And it, it's so maddening. I do not hold it against the religious people themselves because I know a lot of people who are so good hearted that believe in Jesus or believe in Buddha or believe in Muhammad and Allah. And, and they're good people. They're good people, but the institutions that they belong to, you're exactly right. They're fucking evil is what they are. Yeah. And like you said, it's it's been like that for since the since the dawn of religion. Yeah. Um, to me religion is the like scapegoat excuse for every like war that we've ever had like in this world, you know. I mean that's like the main driving force. Uh you know even as like looking back at the history of this country as a what was that a movement called where like the United States was like spreading West um, oh. when they said it was like God's will. Oh, the, uh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, it's like I, divine something though. Yeah. It's divine something. It's like colonization. Only God is involved. <laughs> yeah. And it just, oh, it's so frustrating to me, like seeing all the, evil shit that has been done because of religion and like you said there's there's a lot of good people that you know are religious and you know they kind of just tend to like uh use or like stick to like the good parts and like the moral parts and you know treat others with respect and you know love thy neighbor type stuff mm -hmm. but to me the majority is still on the other side the majority of the people are you know like oh do this or you're gonna go to hell uh, you gotta, you know, you gotta live like this. You gotta follow these set of rules, and you know, anybody that doesn't, they tell them like, "Oh, you're going to hell." Like people have told me that, like, "Oh, if you do that, you're gonna go to hell." I'm like, "Bro, if I don't believe in heaven, what makes you think I believe in hell?" Uh, so good luck getting me to to change change what I do based on that. Um, you know, it's like <laughs> I saw this video. It's like uh, it's not premarital sex if you never get married. So keep that in mind. <laughs> there um, you go. There you go. So um, to me, religion is just, it's unnecessary. Because um, I mean, the way I see it, it, it was, religion was created for, you know, even if you go back to like the ancient Greeks and like the ancient Romans, 
you know, they had, you know, their polytheism and like the belief of many gods and all these things. And to me, the reason they came up with that was just because they didn't understand how things worked. They didn't understand the way the world worked. Um, you know, so they kind of had in their, they came up with this idea that, well, there has to be some sort of like, you know, higher being, you know, giving us the sun and giving us the moon and the water and all these things. And it kind of evolved from that to, you know, there's a singular God that, uh, you know, that's the grand master and creator of all things. And, you <laughs> know, he's all, good. Flesh. He's, he's all good and he's all powerful, but if he's all good, then why is there war and, and famine and destruction and death? And, you know, people say, well, you know, that's humans free will. It's not really God's responsibility. And it's like, well, if he's all good, he would stop that. And if he can't stop that, then he's not all powerful either. So what, what is he if, if he's not all good and he's not all powerful, you know, people love to talk about miracles and, and like, oh, you know, uh, I prayed and, you know, this miracle happened. Um, I, I don't think people really understand what <laughs> the word miracle means. Yeah. A miracle is not, you know, there's millions of people with fucking cancer in the world and one person gets cured. You know, that's a medical anomaly. I don't think that's a miracle. Right. A miracle would be God giving that ampute that double amputee his legs back. Yeah, that's he'd, he'd wake up with his legs. You're like, yeah. holy shit, that's different. <laughs> that's a miracle. And I don't know about you, but I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that headline any in any news source lately. Um, so to me, it's just this like revolving door of excuses for people to to honestly to do bad shit um, and like give themselves an excuse to be able to do these this bad shit just because, oh, you know, well, God said it's okay, or that's what it says in the Bible. Um, so it must be, it must be right. Well, and I was like, fuck that, man. That's fucking stupid. Did, um, when we, when the Europeans colonized North America, now that's, that's Cortez and all from, all the way back from Spain coming over all that was done in the name of the Catholic Church. That was funded by the Catholic Church. It was, you know, the kings and the queens were involved in the Catholic Church. Do you know 60 million fucking people died in the colonization of North America? And when when North uh, when Europe invaded, and I'm not going to say colonized Africa, I'm going to say fucking invaded, up until World War One, which... That colonization was the cause of World War One. If you didn't know that, a hundred million fucking people died. So that's a hundred and sixty million people just in colonization. Now, that's crazy. yeah, that's fucking crazy. Two hundred gotten in two hundred fifty thousand in Syria. They say that a hundred thousand Christians are killed each year because of their faith. Now, it sounds like we're just railing on Christianity, but no. The Islamic people kill Christians, and the Christians kill the Islamic people. The Palestinians kill the Jews, and the Jews kill the Palestinians. It goes both fucking ways. Christians are dying, Jews are dying, Islamics are dying. It's Muslims are dying. It's it's insane, dude. 
It's insane. I have a I have a friend who who grew up in Israel, and she said it was completely normal to be drinking coffee on the Miranda, and the alarms would go off, the the horns would go off, and everybody would just pick up their coffee, continue their conversations in the basement till the ground stopped rumbling, come back up and sit on the veranda and watch the firefighters put out the fires and the dead bodies get taken away while they finish their coffee. The normalization of religious violence in our, in our world is fucking atrocious that we, it's okay. It's fine. And I feel like that's something people never, never talk about. Like the reason behind these conflicts and these wars, like it's not really dissected very much by, you know, the news or, you know, people in general, if yeah. like you said, it's been so normalized that it's just kind of like, oh, this country's fighting. Okay. You never question like, wait, why are they fighting? Oh, because yeah. of that book? That makes no sense. Why are they doing <laughs> that? That's pretty fucking stupid. We should probably, you know, do something about that. <laughs> what, ban the book? <laughs> I mean, and to me, that's the thing. I don't, how do you like change that? How do you change this perspective that we have? Um, it's it's pretty hard to me. Um, but what I do see is a big trend of less and less religious people, um, especially with like the younger generations. Um, you know, in this in this time of like technology and like everything that we just have to do, I feel like religion has started to take a back seat. Um, at least uh, here, like from what I've seen, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's probably a little bit different in like fucking like the Southern States, you know? Yeah. I'm sure over there it's still like, you know, God church and, uh, you know, every, every Sunday and, you know, Wednesdays and, or whatever days they go. Yeah. Sun- but- it's, it's Sunday <laughs> and uh Wednesday is prayer meeting and usually the Pentecostals meet on Friday night for a big end of the week, you know, talking in tongues and handling snakes and all the shit that they do. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually been to one of those churches. I'm not being facetious. I went to a church in West Virginia on the Kentucky border where they handled snakes and it was very interesting. But sounds very culty. Yeah, it well, it is. It is. It, it, they um it started, they don't always handle snakes. So you get lucky when you go to these churches, but the pastor will get up there and, and just like any, just like any motivational speaker will whip the audience into a frenzy. If he can do it at the right time, then the snakes come out and they don't really like Lala. They don't really like hold the snake. They toss it. So the snake never gets, it never gets in a strike position because it's always up in the air or so it's a really odd thing to watch. And no, I did not participate. I stood in the back of the church because I just (laughs) wanted, I just really wanted to watch. I was at the time I was a religious person, but the handling of snakes I thought was tempting God in my mind. I thought this isn't right. This isn't right. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, it's not like we're trying to bash on, 
At least I, I'm, I, I don't think you're trying to bash on like just Christianity and absolutely not. I'm not bashing on. Um, I, let me let me be very clear before we get off here. I want to be super clear to everybody who's listening and everybody who's who's wanting to to uh, attack <laughs> us. I am not attacking beliefs. I am not attacking Christians, Muslims, Jews. None of that. If you want to pray to your God every night, I meditate. Some people call meditation prayer. Some people call prayer meditation. It, it doesn't matter. If you are living a good life and paying your little taxes and going to work and taking care of your family and you happen to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, power fucking to you, brother. I Really, if it keeps you calm and nice and cooperative, that's great. What I am attacking is the son of a bitch that gets on TV and says the church needs money and takes from people and flies around in a jet and the motherfuckers that cause wars over, you know, the, the Ayatollah who denounces everyone who doesn't believe like he does. That's the people that I'm going after, the organized religious leaders who are the fucking problem. The, the people are not the problem. It's the zealots that follow them and the leaders that lead and incite violence. That's the people I'm going after. That's another thing I don't like about uh, religions here in the U.S. is they don't fucking have to pay taxes. Like, they should definitely be able to, or they should definitely be forced to pay their taxes on you know, the money they take in. Cause like you said, it's millions of dollars for some of these churches and it's all tax free. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, and it stays with these, like you said, all these like TV evangelicals and it stays at the top and they just continue this driving force of like spreading hate disguised as God's word, you know? I, um, and like you said, I'm, you're not, we're not like bashing uh, these individual people that definitely not definitely or that you know like you said uh if you want to be home and like pray and you know read your bible or you know whatever practices your religion consists of like that's all to me that's all you know fine and dandy but at the same time you have to recognize that there are those people that you know are, are pretty fucking crazy um uh, sometimes yeah. you no fault of their own um uh, they're just like brainwashed or you know what be it um but i feel like as you know quote unquote good christians you also have or you know good catholics whatever it may be you should also be able to recognize that and acknowledge that and denounce that you know yeah because at the end of the day you're all going to get clumped in together um so the more you can do to like separate yourself from them um i think the better it would be for you know your individual religion because uh, like you said there's you know there's good like um, like people of like, you know, for example, like Muslim faith that, you know, are just in general, good people. But when they tell you like, oh, I'm Muslim, you know, there's almost like this negative connotation that goes along with that just because of, you know, our history here in the United States. Right. Um, right. So I feel like it's not just enough to, you know, if you're a good Christian or a good Jew or a good, uh, you know, Catholic, uh, it's not just enough to, you know, stick to your practices and, you know, continue to be a good person. But I feel like it's almost, you know, not, I wouldn't say like all responsibility, but 
you should be like kind of motivated to like, you know, help turn the page on, you know, or on the negative stereotypes of, of your religion that the world sees, because at the end of the day, like, you know, you, you value your morals and, um, you just want people to know that you're a good person. But I would, I will say if you're, um, those people that try to like force your religion on somebody else or, you know, like denounce other religions because it's not your own, then you could, you could fuck off. You could fuck off. <laughs> if you try to, if you try to say, you know, my religion is, is very nice and we're good people and everything. And I, you know, I politely decline and you, you say, okay, that's cool. You know, <laughs> that's fine because that's what the Mormons do. That's what the, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, they'll knock on your door and say, hey, we'd like to talk to you about the good news. All right. <laughs> no. At the end of the day, I'm going to say, um, no, not not, not in the cards. Because, you know, I, I'll close with this, man. I, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head when you, that last statement you made. Because... Jesus taught pacifism, empathy, love, kindness. Everything you can think of is in that book, is in those four books of the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the teachings of Christ. The Apostle Paul in, in his epistles reiterated time and time again, kindness, love, you know, charity, give, turn the other cheek, don't, all these things. And somehow... Turn the other cheek has is turned into you know, rocket your enemies back, kill them back, spill their blood too. If they're going to spill your blood, it's that Old Testament thing of an eye for an eye, and that's what they hooked onto, and that's all there is. But but Jesus, if he was real, I I don't know. He was just a he was just a fucking guy in my book, and if you take. If you take the Bible literally, I think you need to stop and think about Grimm's fairy tales. You need to stop and think about what literature really is. You need to stop and think about theology and philosophy and turn all that into a belief system that's that's viable, that can get along with other people instead of saying, if you don't believe like me, I'll fucking kill you. Yeah. I mean, to me, at the end of the day, it's, um, you know, you can practice whatever religion you you want. Um, as long as it's not hurting anybody else, I really don't care. There um, you go. The moment it starts to impact someone else's life against their will or against their wishings, that's when um, I take an issue with it, you know? That's why I'm so, like, when people give that whole, like, uh, pro-abortion or anti-abortion uh, stands based on the religion, like that's not a valid argument. If you want to make any other type of argument um, for, you know, against abortion, I'll, I'll be able to listen to it and hear you out. But the moment you say, oh, it's because of my religion, um, I kind of don't give a fuck. <laughs> I kind of, like, I don't give a fuck about your religion. Why would I care what it has to say? And I don't mean that, like, I mean, it sounds kind of fucked up. Um but you're a fucking but I trip, Lalo. <laughs> I don't care about what your book says. So when it says you shouldn't do something, um, 
I also don't care about that. So, and I like I don't care as in like it doesn't. I don't believe in that. I don't subscribe to that. Um, so I'm sure there's good things in there, and I'm sure there's some weird shit in there too. Yeah, there is. There is. I've uh, read the whole thing. I, I, I read the whole thing, and I was like, I don't know how you believe this. <laughs> so, um, like, like I said, it's long. The moment it starts to impact other people's lives, um, that's why, like, when it comes to ideas or even, like, policies or legislation, like, um, I don't know if you saw there's, like, this bill being proposed in Texas to make it uh, be able to give out the death penalty for someone that gets an abortion. Yeah. Like, yeah, fuck, man. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? Well, it's Texas. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, just, yeah. Have you ever been to Texas? I uh, know. Yeah, don't. <laughs> no, Austin's a nice. Austin's a really nice town. It's really progressive. There's a lot of good music there and a lot of things. But yeah, Austin, Dallas, all it's weird how all these big metropolitan cities tend to be more democratic. Yeah, and all these all these places where the economy does well and is booming and people live happy lives. It's weird how those tend to be democratic. <laughs> but that's another conversation. The con- the correlation between money and um, how religious people are. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, just do your thing. It doesn't really matter. I don't care. I don't care if you do it. I don't care if you don't. I just don't uh, fuck with other people's lives or other people's. Uh, there you uh, go, man. Livelihood, you know, you know, I, let me. Uh, we got we got to close. We're over an hour, but I got I got to say this to everyone out there who is listening. When uh, I, I talk to a, a Buddhist and they really don't care if you believe like them or not, Buddhism is about self-enlightenment, self-esteem, how you feel about yourself, all those things and how you treat other people in regards to you're good to yourself first. Christianity, not so much. And it, it's more about you're going to be good or I'm going to fucking burn you in hell. And, and I can't, I can't reiterate enough that a loving, that your loving God that you call father. Okay. If he really truly is a father, I don't think if my kids didn't believe in me that I would punish them in an eternal lake of fire forever because they (laughs) didn't believe in me. That's kind of cruel. That's kind of cruel. That's kind of, uh, it doesn't make any sense. So be kind. Just be kind to each other, everybody. Okay. Don't don't bring your belief systems into it, your ideology and the construct of your religion and the construct of your book. Just be kind to each other. It's real easy to be kind to a person without bringing up some sort of Jesus is making me or I I feel this tremendous amount of fear that I'm going to go to hell if I'm not if I'm not a nice person. Be a nice person. And I feel like if you have to be driven to be a nice person by, you know, a book, then then you're, you're not a, you're not a nice person. person. Yeah. If the only reason you're trying to be nice is to, you know, make it somewhere after you, you die, then you should really like reevaluate your moral compass in general. There you go. Well, thank you, man. Thank, thank you, you for thank you for waking <laughs> up. Thanks for waking up up on time. Not <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it messed me up.
<laughs> all right, man. Hey, Lalo, have have a day that you intended to have, all right? All right, man. Thank you, you too. All right, brother. This has been uh this has been Bob. And Lalo. And remember, it wasn't against you, Mr. Christian or Miss Christian. It was against your religion. And there is the very, very great possibility that Lalo and I were thoroughly fucking wrong. See you next time, man. Later. Later. You have now experienced the Thoroughly Wrong Project with your podcast hosts, Lalo and Bob. We can now be found on Pandora Radio, Apple Podcasts, Podium Podcast, or by searching The Thoroughly Wrong Project to locate our YouTube channel. You can contact us directly by email at thoroughlywrong at gmail.com or just leave a comment on any of our platforms. Until next time, thanks for spending your valuable time with us. And remember, always speak up and never be afraid to be thoroughly wrong. <laughs>